Good morning, podcast world, and welcome back to yet another great episode of The Ear. Yes, I have a beard, no shave November um, and December for my agency. But anyway, <laughs> uh, or should it be don't care December? I don't know. But anyway, welcome back to another episode of The Ear. Today we have uh, a very good guest. Uh, he's been on the show before, and he is what I would like to call a moral uprising politician. Uh, and I hope he stays that way. If he don't, I will make a personal trip up to Pennsylvania and take care of that. <laughs> Good. I, that's the way I like it. <laughs> All right. So uh, th this is a little, this is different from our other uh, episodes within this series. But um, like I told you, Luke, we're doing an episode on faith or a series on faith. And today we're going to talk about faith in the midst of madness or political madness. And um our line of questioning is pretty intense. So I hope you're ready to, to be a big boy and answer some of these questions for us. Let's go. Let's give it a try. All right. So, uh, you know, through this podcast, we're, we're going to try to answer the, the world's questions from a Christian perspective, especially in the realm of politics. So, Luke, take, a time, take some time and tell us uh, who you are. All right. My name is Luke Negron. Uh, I am... Uh, an Air Force veteran. I'm someone who has been involved in politics really my whole life. Ever since I was old enough to think for myself, I was fascinated by international relations, uh, military history, military warfare, and, and politics. Um, and uh, of course, all of those kind of go together in, in the realm of uh, social and political leadership. And uh, then I studied that in college, studied uh, poli-sci national security communications at the great Grove City College. Um, worked on a few political campaigns and uh, and then, yeah, I guess I don't know if that's news to you, but yeah, good old Grove. And uh, and then I decided to get involved. I saw a lot of outsiders and a lot of young people uh, getting involved in politics, uh, both on a local and national level. I know we'll dive into some of those topics later on. And uh, and I decided that it was time for me to stop just being someone who sits around the table and complains about politics, but who rather does something about it. And, uh, and, you know, I acknowledge that, that everyone has their own story, everyone has their own journey, but it's something I felt I had to do and I was able to do. And, uh, and that, that's kind of what brings us to, to where we are now. Grove City. That's right. Would you, what, what years did you go there? I graduated in 16. So I was 2012, 13, 14, 15, and then I was out of there 16. Would you happen to know a person by the name of Dean Weaver? Ooh, that name rings a bell. Dean Weaver. I knew I knew a Weaver for sure. It wasn't Dean, uh, but Dean Weaver, I, not personally. I'm, I, we probably crossed paths. Well, since you are in the political side, he uh, th there is a chapel at Grove City, right? Of course. Yes. Yes. OK. He used to run the chapel at Grove City and now he is our uh, stated clerk. Um, we like to tease him and tell him he's our pope. But, Excellent. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, my buddy Dean. Um, work there and I think if I'm not mistaken Tim Russell did too but that's uh, awesome yeah so I have some uh I, I want to say not indirect history but I got some uh some family if you will that that's right worked at Grove City I so love that's that cool. yes it's all um, love for the alma mater but by, by all means <laughs> and the funny thing is too I studied uh political science for one semester at uh our local university here and realized quickly how much I hate it now, mind you, I'll probably be, probably, probably, maybe 
be decent at it because uh, I do like yeah. poli- I like politics, but not I- I'm I'm really not that much into politics. That's um, fair. But Condoleezza Rice was an interesting character that kind of sparked my interest there uh, yes. because she's a doctorate of political science, and you know I-, I thought I would have a some career choices there, but I decided not to pursue that route. Just decided on a different road. Yep. Decided on a different road, went to mass communication, realized that I hate the media because I had a liberal teacher that failed me on purpose because he found out I was a conservative and I was a Boy Scout. There you go. Okay, that'll do it. You never know what will be the strikes against you in some people's minds. Right. But to throw a monkey wrench in it, I'm also a Christian. So he didn't like those three combinations. That's That's the easy three and out right there. So Um, yeah, I was not. just gonna say, I think that the law enforcement world is is political enough, though. You're, you're you've probably got your fill there. That <laughs> would be my guess. <laughs> uh, like we like we said out here, Meche, yeah, <laughs> uh, definitely have that yuck here. But now I'm in law enforcement, and uh, I'm not gonna disclose what my next plans are uh, hey. on this on this video. But uh, we'll talk about that after the recording is done. Privately, yes, yes, okay, <laughs> okay, good but, deal. Um, but yeah, so, you know, politics, obviously, it's it's part of who we are. It's around us. We can't escape it. We, we're in it. We're in the thicket of it. We can't go anywhere without seeing politics. Um, politics even come on our labels. And, mm-hmm. and I say that loosely, but, uh, you know, Aunt Jemima, for goodness sake, was removed and it was right. a black woman and Uncle Ben was right. removed and he's a black man and, you know. <laughs> That's a, yeah. we're going we're gonna to get into that. We're going to get, yeah. into <laughs> but, uh, but this, this episode is literally about faith in the midst of political madness mm-hmm. and how, how can our faith, you know, get us through these hard times. So my first question uh, is, I, I'm going to go back to, you know, part of who you are. Um, what do you do for a living? Yeah, it's a good question. So what I do for a living right now is I am uh, an engineer. For, uh, for a company that does engineering for the communications and electrical grid. And then uh, I'm also still in the Air Force. I'm what's called DSG. I'm uh, on, on, on guard status with the PA Air Force Air National Guard. And, uh, and then not for a living, not for money, but really as my hobby and my passion, I'm still very involved in, in local politics. I've started several organizations, worked with uh, quite a few local candidates. Obviously, I've run once myself. Uh, so that's kind of something that I would like to make um, more of a full-time position. But right now it's, it's in the hobby uh, kind of backseat right now. Gotcha. Gotcha. Are you married? I'm not. No, no, I'm, I'm single. Uh, I am, I am dating in the sense that I am looking for uh, a life partner to date. Um, and, and this is, I guess, a quick side note, as far as opinion and religion goes here, my belief on dating is that, um, you shouldn't be dating to date. You should be dating to marry. Um, and so I'm all for, you know, you're, you're at church, whatever. You see a gorgeous girl, you go up to her, you ask her out. Awesome. Go get to know her. But if after three, four five dates, you think this is realistically not somebody I could marry, you're done. You're done. Cut it off. That's it. I have nothing, in my opinion, nothing against shooting your shot. But once you've done that as a Christian, you shouldn't be dating just, just to kill time, just for sex. 
just to, for fun, just for status. All of these are things that our culture tells us is okay. Um, and, and, um, and that's something I fight against in my own life because we're all influenced by our culture. And so um, following in, in the godly footsteps that I think were are set before us in the Bible, yes, I, I am dating, but I'm not dating someone right now. It's not like I have a girlfriend. So does that make sense? Like I'm open to it. I'm in the dating world, yep. but, uh, but yeah, and that's kind of how I view dating uh, as a whole. Yeah, it makes sense. And I, I'm the same way. And that's part of why I took a break from podcasting, which is the biggest mistake I've done. Mm. Um, and you know, I, I dated this girl for four months. I actually loved her and it didn't work out and I had to, had to cut it off, you know? So yep. I, I yep. totally get it. Uh, yeah. so what are your political goals? Uh, you could be brief with this or you can, you know, yeah. Um, you know, my political goals, I'll give you kind of the abstract answer and then I'll give you my specific, uh, ways that I hope to achieve those goals. So the abstract answer is that my political goals are to, um, to influence the people around me and my countrymen uh, in a Christ-centered way that is also, I think, when you're influencing people in a Christ-centered way, it's also inevitably going to be a way that is best for your countrymen, best for America. Um, and I don't mean shoving my beliefs down people's throats. I just mean being a kind, honest, just, logical, um, reasonable leader who all of those, I'd say, are characteristics we can take from the God of the Bible and apply to politics. And if you're doing that, and then you're doing your best to communicate those beliefs openly to the people around you, you're going to be doing then what's also right for your country and your community. So that's what I, that, that's like my abstract goal. But my very practical goal is, um, I think next I'd probably be running for a state house or state senate. Um, and then I would like to end up in, in the federal house, federal senate, I think right about where I'd max out in my political aspirations is governor. I would I would certainly consider being a governor of a state someday. Um, that that's something that is exciting to me. That I think I could still reach into a lot of lives personally and help people. Um, but I, I people joke about president and, and things like that. Uh, I wouldn't want to be president. Um, you know, as far as the courts go, I'm not looking to be a, a judge or a court nominee. Um, so maybe a, a step down from there is is where I'd hope to kind of live someday you just killed my dreams <laughs> you know i mean i was thinking maybe i could run for president you'd be my vice president i but could if, i could do that <laughs> <laughs> or if you didn't want vice president i would make you the secretary of state you know something and, and see like maybe that's like that's secretary of state those types of things those are huge jobs i would consider those though i really president is the one that's just like definitively off my list uh, <laughs> Okay. You know, all right. Yeah. Well, I'll run. You'll be my vice president, and we'll there we go. Uh, you know, we'll conquer the world. <laughs> okay. All right. I like that. I like that. Like a good version of Obama and Biden. You, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> huh. Hmm. Not a bad idea. <laughs> uh. Ouch. <laughs> that one. That one got me off. <laughs> All right. So let, let's talk about your faith for a little bit. Um, what is faith to you now? Yeah. Obviously, you know, the biblical version of faith, um, right. you know, being a Christian, both of us, but what is faith to you? Okay. Yeah. So that's an awesome question. And I, I love that you asked it. And I love that I get to talk about this. Um, it's something I'm frankly trying to weave more into the political content that I produce a lot, because um, I think it's easy. This is a little bit of a quick side tangent. It's easy to get so caught up in the politics of the day 
And I believe politics is important. Obviously, it's a path I'm on. But to get so caught up in the politics of the day that you forget about bringing it back to the center of why you believe what you believe in the first place, which is being a Christian, following in Christ's footsteps. So I'm trying to weave more of this into my content. So I'm glad you asked. Um, the first answer I say is that faith to me, as you mentioned, biblical faith is um, something that's called uh, pistis. And I know it kind of sounds a funny word, like a funny word, but pistis is not what people will tell you faith means today. People think that faith means you want something to be true so badly that you're going to believe in it free of proof, free of evidence, and free of experience. That's not what pistis means. Pistis is used in the New Testament. Um, I, I believe it is a Greek word um, for faith. It is the most commonly used word for faith. And it means to be convinced of something being true because of the evidence and the experience and the arguments that you've heard. So a perfect example of pistis, of what faith is, is when you have faith in your wife that when you go away for a business trip, she will be faithful to you. She will take care of the house. She will, she will not uh, rob all of your money and run. You know, you have faith in her. That's not faith like, oh, I hope that unicorns believe uh, exist out there somewhere. No, no, that's pistis. That's I've seen her. I have evidence that I can trust her. I have an experiential relationship with her. And so I have faith in her. That's what faith is. And then so uh, coming back around to what, what faith is then to me is it's something that I've had to walk. Uh, I've had to walk in and through in my life. And it's something I still walk in and through. Um, I've had to experience God's goodness. I've had to experience the, uh, the reasons to believe in the Bible. I've had to experience my own um, uh, sorrows and, and, and deep uh, soul-based questions. And then I've had to see God work in my life through those um, and also give over more of what the Bible calls, right? The old man, more of the old man, letting the flesh die, whether that's pride, whether that's lust, whether that's dishonesty, all of these are things that come, if we're honest, they come, they come uh, openly and freely and naturally to all of us as fallen humans. So faith to me is giving away more of that old man and is walking through and furthering my relationship with God and being able to go to bed at night and in my own head say, yeah, I know why I believe what I believe. It's that it's pistis. It's I'm convinced of it. I've experienced it. I've seen the evidence. I know the person of God. And so that's that's where I am. Sorry, that's a bit of a long answer, but that there, there's a, there it is. A Presbyterian would tell you that, you know, you were chosen by God. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes. And that's why you have that faith. That's uh, right. And I've said this on several episodes within the series, you know, you said something that was very, uh, that caught my attention. Uh, you know why you know what you believe, okay? Because you're confident in it. Confide yeah. with faith. So there's, when you take the word confidence and you break it down, it's already faith. You're already having yes. faith in what you believe in. Like you, yes. have, you have that with faith, with the faith you have, you know, so it's kind of like a double standard, but it makes sense. You know, you're, you're confident in the evidence you have on why you believe in what you believe. That's so right. Yeah, totally get it. Um, all right. So how does your faith help you get through tough times? Man, uh, it, it's... If you're honest with yourself, your faith in whatever you believe, whether it's Christianity or something else, and I believe Christianity is the truth, but even if you believe something that's not the truth, whatever you're convinced of is 
all that you have in the tough times. It's all that you have. And the reason that I am a Christian, the reason that I am, like you said, confident in Christianity is that I have, I have tested it. I've prodded it. I have, I have done my studies in it. I've experienced the, uh, the spiritual and emotional side of God, but also the logical and, um, and academic side of God. All of these things come from who God is. He created earth for goodness sake. He has all of these elements to him. And I've experienced those. And in my dark times, when uh, there was a time uh, in senior year of college, when I got very depressed, I went through some things physically and emotionally that, that brought me to a low place. And I, I questioned why I believe what I believe. And all that there was for me at the end of the day, when you're asking yourself, what if I don't wake up tomorrow? When you're asking yourself, what if I have a really hard life and, and life isn't what I always thought it would be as a kid? When you're asking yourself those types of questions, all you have is your faith. And if you believe in something that's not true, it's not going to be enough to get you through. Amen. And if you believe in something that is true, which I believe is the God of the Bible, um, he will show himself to you and he will come through. And he's come through in amazing ways for me. I could, I could talk for a long time about some of the more uh, supernatural things that I've experienced in my life. I have been blessed to have a, a few of those uh, kind, of, kind of happen in my life. And I could talk to you for a long time about the evidence that I've seen, the academic side of why I believe what I believe. But um, suffice to say, to keep this less than five hours long. Yeah, uh, yeah, he, he's, he's been there. And uh, that's why. And that, that's, that's what, what my faith has been to me as, as I walk through life. That's awesome. I'm glad you said it like that. You know, uh, a person that can say, I have the evidence to back it up. And then a person that can say, I've been through certain things that I can tell you about that is, that's literally a testament of who God is. Yeah. All right. Because it's easy for me to sit here and say, yeah, I believe in God. I got faith, mm -hmm. but is that faith practical? Right. You yeah. know, is that, is that faith, you know, when, when you're in your lowest and you're yes. fighting for your life and I look super dark on camera, but anyway, uh, if you're fighting to look lighter on the camera, you know, <laughs> is your faith, is your faith going to get you through those tough times? So, you know, yes. th there's a lot to just having faith and actually having that genuine faith in God and actually, you know, all right, I'm going through this tough time. Now I get to test my faith. Yes. Wait, yes. I don't want to test my faith because nobody really wants to test their faith in hard times, but yeah. you get to, you get to see that, you know, here it is. Joe yep. did it. Job lost his health, his wealth. Uh, he, I like to say he lost his wife, but he didn't lose right. him physically. That's you right. Know? Because right. What, did she, what did she do? She tell him to, won't you curse God and die? Yeah. Yep. You know, um, yep. but her faith was also tested, mm -hmm. you know, and mm -hmm. that was her response at the time to what happened, you know? Right. So uh, yeah. Um, tough times are not stuff that people want to deal with on a daily basis. Let's be honest. Let's be real with ourselves here. That's right. All right, Luke, what about your faith in making tough decisions? How does your faith assist you in that aspect? Yeah. So th this kind of comes back to what I believe about faith. Uh, someone who uh, I listened to a lot as a kid, uh, Del Tackett, he's kind of a, an apologist and a Christian preacher. Uh, he talks about the definitional quality of faith as what do you have faith in? So a lot of our culture, including our, our non-Christian culture, they'll say faith is a virtue. And you'll hear on the Disney channel and stuff, have faith and, and, and you know, hey, keep the faith and stuff. 
But then the question is, what do you mean have faith? What do you mean keep the faith? Keep faith in what? Faith in what? Um, uh, faith in faith? It, like it just faith for faith's sake alone? What, what does that mean? How is that functionally valuable in my life? Um, no, it has to be faith in something more than even yourself. Because if you just have faith in yourself, someday, it might be now, it might be later. For me, it was my senior year of college. You are going to realize that your faith in yourself, my friend, and I don't mean just you, I, I mean, everyone is misplaced. Your faith in yourself, you're not mentally as strong as you think you are. You're not physically as strong as you think you are. You're not emotionally as strong as you think you are. <laughs> and, and, and that's what I had to come to grips with. Um, and an insult. So, and, and, and it was like, um, you know, if my faith was just in me, which it largely was to, to far too great an extent, which is why I had such a hard time. Um, it's not enough. It's not going to be enough. So you have to have your faith in something more than you. Um, for a lot of people, they, for the atheists, they, they would probably say that that's their version of science. That yeah. is what they believe their faith is in. Um, and to an extent they're on the right track in that it has to be outside of you. If it's just in you, it's not enough, but I'd say even science itself isn't enough. And there are multiple reasons for that. But so then how does it get me through hard times? Um, again, it's, it's what I fall back on and it is, um, it is the binding. It is the glue. It is the strength between me and God and then me and other people. I mean, I, I kid you not when I say the people who I respect and love and value and follow the most are people of amazing faith. And, um, when I see that bond between us and between them and other people, it gives me strength. And that's what gets me through the hard times. And when I, the kind of uh, reciprocal side of that is when I look at people who I don't share that with, when I look at people who are bitter and depressed and sad and angry and spiteful, um, they're people who don't have a deep faith-based relationship with God and then with their brothers and sisters. Right. So that's really... Um, I know that's not a, a, a very precise answer, but that's kind of, that's, that's how it gets me through hard times. Yeah, it's a good answer. Um, I'm going to tie mine into law enforcement because that's all I know right now. Yeah. But we have this thing called fight or flight. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, or hide. <laughs> right. Right. But when I'm, when I'm looking at faith, if I'm going to explain it in the, in the law enforcement capacity, um, it's fighting. Okay, mm. so mm. We're, we're going through a tough spot or a tough time in our life, and we having to make this tough decision. We're either going to fight for what our convictions are, or we're going to flight. We're going to run away from it. Yep. Yeah. So when I'm trying to make that decision, and I'm fighting, if you will, I'm going to fall back on my faith. I'm going to fall back on something that I know is concrete, and it'll help me develop a, a, a decent answer to what I'm dealing with or a good response to harm. Uh, for example, let's say, you know, you and I are best friends and we have a falling out. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you don't want to talk to me. All right. And I don't know why, you know, we had a, a disagreement, you know, I like Obama, you don't, we disagree. <laughs> so, you know, you, you and I stopped talking. So I have to figure out a way to fight to get through to you. That's right. So that, you know, how, like Luke, it's just a dude, like whatever. Yeah. I'm gonna fall back on my faith. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen Christ 
show his faith and how his faith fought when he walked the face of this earth. Yeah. So I'm going to yeah. fall back on that. I'm going to fight. I'm not going to run from the issue. I'm going to try my best to hit it, you know, head on. And that's the whole joy of having faith in God and being called as his child is we mm -hmm. have that immense faith to where we can just rise up and say, all right, Satan, you have no control. Oh, wait, you don't have control because you're God's devil. <laughs> yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and you know what? You, you hit the nail on the head with saying that faith is how you fight. Um, th there's the, the biblical analogy that you brought to mind which is uh, something that a pastor told me when I was in kind of like my dark night of the soul, right? When I was in, when I was depressed and I was questioning my faith, he said, this is number one, you're very blessed because a lot of people don't go through this, this type of questioning, this type of uh, deep wondering what's it all about until they're 40, 50, 60 years old. He said, you're being forced because of your circumstances to, be, to go through it now at a young age. That's actually a good thing. I agree with him in hindsight. Um, and then the second thing he said is hold up your shield of faith. The Bible calls it our shield of faith. It's, it's, um, it's able to withstand arrows and fire and, and, and frontal assault. It is how we fight. So when you are in doubt, when you are scared, when you are sorrowful, hold up your shield of faith. It is protection to you. It is, it is your way forward. It enables you to go forward. That's what shields did. They, they're the barrier between you and the danger so that you can keep taking ground. Uh, so you're right, man. I mean, right on. It's how you fight. Yeah. I, I was thinking about that all day as I was preparing to do, uh, I should have been working, but I was thinking about this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, it, you either fight or flight. You either have faith or you don't. You either have a fake faith or you have the true faith in Christ Jesus. It, it is what it is. All right. Yeah. So now, Luke, this is a, a personal question for you. You know, does your faith or your belief in God help you make an informed political decision since you're 100%. in political? How so? Absolutely. So so here's um, here are kind of two takes on it. The first is simply just from a political side. And for anyone who who hears this, maybe who's not a Christian and goes, of course. All right. There goes the Christian wanting to shove his beliefs in people's face, and, and he wants to legislate his morality, well, wait a second. And, and the thing that always comes up there is separation of church and state, right? As Americans, as an American politician, don't we have separation of church and state? Um, first of all, yes, but we really don't understand what that means anymore. And, uh, and second of all, separation of church and state never meant that you're religion and morality had to be taken out of your political opinions. It never meant that in any of the founding documents and any of, of our legal uh, documents. Um, but separation of church and state, what it means is that let's say you and I are in the Senate, we can't do anything to force people to practice our religion. We can't, um, we can't say that people have to show up at uh, in uh, Orthodox Presbyterian Church on Sunday. We can't say that Catholics have to be the only people allowed to be judges. Well, we, we can't do any of that nonsense. What we can do, though, is say, as, as Christ followers, I'm going to write this legislation from my perspective. And yes, it influences me. And yes, it is what I believe about this, that, or the other thing. And, right. and I am influenced by by my faith. So that's not a breach of separation of church and state. Um, but then from a from a personal side, the way it influences me is um, I believe that 
everything has become quote unquote political. And I say quote unquote because things like the definition and value of the family, things like uh, life, um, things like our view of God's, about God's people, Israel, these are all things that to me are church issues. They are things that the church can and should speak to, but we have let them become political and we've let them become something that now all of a sudden, in my opinion, sadly, many, sadly, many cowardly pastors, they don't even want to touch those topics anymore because they say, well, our church isn't political. We're not going to get political here. And it's like, well, wait a second, wait a second. How, how do we define what's political? Is it just because you saw it on Fox or CNN or just because uh, Nancy Pelosi talked about something related to this no. last week? NBC. You're, or NBC, right? Um, so that's how it influences my political beliefs is, um, is I strongly believe that politics has gotten too big and it has gotten too intrusive. It reaches now into your bedroom. It reaches into your church. It reaches into your private, private sector job. Um, I think politics has gotten too big and faith, the church has, has gotten too small and shrunk back. And that's where I say, um, that. It, it can and, and does influence a lot of the way that I view policy. even, And it should, you know, mm -hmm. um, we, we put people, I'm going to take Senator Kennedy, uh, for mm -hmm. example. Uh, he's a character. He, 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 he makes me laugh. But watching him and watching how he addresses certain items. Yeah. And then you look at Ted Cruz and you watch how he addresses certain items. But then you take a look at somebody like Tim Scott. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who we all know is a Christian, who's open about it. And I'm yeah. not saying Ted and, and, and John Kennedy aren't, you know, open about their faith, but Scott literally says, I believe in my maker. Yes. And when he writes legislation, it's not like he's taking the Bible and opening up the Bible and saying, ah, let me write <laughs> it based on this. It's his moral compass that yes. is aligned with the father I'm going to write this legislation based on that. Okay. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows I'm against abortion. Mm -hmm. I'm not telling a woman she can't have a right to choose what she wants to do with her own body, but I'm saying it from a moral perspective of life and death. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you're looking at a political decision and then you have your faith, are you going to be a sellout to let the world see who you are because, you know, everybody else is doing it? Or are you going to mm -hmm. stand your ground, fight mm -hmm. in your faith to pass certain legislation? And that's the question I have for a lot of politicians. I, I, I promise you, if I had a political show, political podcast, I would have as many politicians as I can. Yeah. Just to yeah. ask them that question. Because uh, it's, it's really, it's a, it's a very important question. Are you yep. fighting on, on the values of faith? Or are you going to fight because the world says this needs to happen? You that's know? right. Right. And the answer has to be, um, if you're going to be someone who I respect, and if I'm going to look myself in the eyes in the mirror at night and be someone who I respect personally, the answer has to be that you are consistent with who you claim to be. It doesn't mean you're perfect, but it means that you weren't just claiming to be a Christian or a Catholic or an atheist for votes. You weren't just pandering. You weren't just making things up so that they sounded good when someone had, went through a tragedy and, and, and that way you could sound like that caring leader. No, no you actually are living it out and you're living it out even when it's costly to you, even when it means that you're going to be unpopular on, a, on an issue.
that that's got to be the answer. That's in my mind. That's 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 where it comes down. Makes me think when uh, I'm out doing some kind of church, you know, thing or uh, I'm representing my agency as a chaplain because uh, I've done mm-hmm. that before back in April when we had our uh, we had a vessel that capsized. And, you know, I now it, it's kind of weird because I show up with a gun and badge, but I'm considered a chaplain, <laughs> <laughs> pistol pack and chaplain here. But um, I didn't get offended. Not once did I get offended when someone assumed I was Baptist. Mm. Or someone asked if I was Catholic. Not once did I get offended. Maybe, yeah. maybe when somebody asked me if I was Catholic, you know, maybe. <laughs> I'm joking. But I didn't get offended because why does that matter? You know, I'm mm. here serving a purpose to help you with something. So my faith, which is built and predicated on my belief in Jesus Christ, which is the same thing you claim to believe, that's yes. what I want on display. You know, so was this event political? Absolutely. Did I have to make decisions on political stuff? Yes. Mm. But I'm going to be honest with you. I did not care about the political side. Mm. If, I, if I got up and said something and it was politically incorrect, I hate to say this. I did not care because my goal was to do the moral thing, you know, right by these people to show them and let them know politically, this is what you need to hear. But faithfully, this is what I really, really want you to hear because you're faith in God is at stake here. Mm. You know, so. Yeah. Yep. No, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Now I want to move into the more in-depth uh, questions. You know, this is questions for the Christian politicians or yeah. the politician that should be Christian. <laughs> How yes. do you want to word yes. that? So Luke, when we talk about compromise, we see mm-hmm. a lot of politicians compromising every day. Mm-hmm. And They'll compromise for the sake of a dollar. They'll they'll compromise for the sake of popularity. They'll compromise for pandering purposes. They'll compromise for, you know, race baiting. Uh, uh, Let's see, how can we make everything political? They'll compromise to push a narrative that is not healthy for the American people, nor the world for that matter. And they're they're just a bunch of compromising fools. All right. And they're selling their souls to the devil and they're compromising and they're winning at confusion, which means, and I, I, I hate to say this, but they're literally Satan's minions when yeah. it comes to compromising. Yeah. So my question for you, Luke, is when do you compromise your values? I mean, the, the only time that I could say you, I would either support or be neutral on compromising your values is when those values are non-moral, when they're amoral values. So for instance, I think that a 10% tax rate is better than an 8% tax rate. You could argue that downstream, maybe that's got some moral ties where it will affect people differently, but I don't think that there's a one-to-one connection of it being a biblical moral topic. I think that you can can talk on that. And if someone says, well, you say 10%, I say 8%, let's do 9%. That's a compromise. And I think that's okay. But when it comes to things that number one, the Bible are, is very clear about, or things that number two, you have been clear about, even if it's not directly in the Bible, but it's a promise that you've made. So it's a value that you stated, then you have to stand by it. You have, you, you have to stand by it. And the only way that something like that could be changed is if you make a very clear statement of why 
with new information, you were wrong in the past. So you say, oh, I, I thought this was the case, but I got new information and I was misinformed and I was wrong. So now I, I compromise or I change. Other than that, if, if you're compromising for popularity, money, votes, um, to me, that's a spineless, disgusting thing. And it's something that goes beyond politics. It's something that we should demand from every relationship in our life is consistency. Because you and your representative is a relationship. You and your dad is a relationship. You and your girlfriend, you and your son. All relationships and relationships need honesty and open communication and consistency. And if you don't have those things, just like it wouldn't work out, you and your dad would not be close if, if you don't have those things. Same deal with a politician. You're supposed to have a good relationship there. And if they're changing and flip-flopping and compromising all the time, it ain't going to be there. Yeah. And there are certain things when I'm dating a girl that I will not compromise. Um, right. You know, like, for example, I attend a predominantly white church. I'm not going anywhere. And, you know, I'm not saying I won't go visit my girlfriend's church because uh, that's clearly something I'm going to compromise and going to do. But to sure. give up my membership, if you will, at my church, I'm not going to compromise on that. And I have my reasons and we can get into that later if you'd like. But, you know, um, I'm not going to compromise on not going to church. That is not an issue. The only time that's a compromising thing is if I if I'm on call like I am now and I get called out and I have to go handle a complaint. Yeah. Then I won't go to church. But just for the sake of me saying I'm waking up on a Sunday and I don't want to go to church. Not a compromise. Not an issue. We're going to church. Um, and if you can't, you know, get with that program, have a good life, you know, but, but th that's a value to me because the Bible is clear about corporate worship, mm. you know, so I'm not going to compromise that, uh, if I'm dealing with, uh, you know, like how I deal with my family, um, I could be harsh to them in a loving manner. I'm not going to compromise that because I make my girlfriend or my buddies feel uncomfortable, you know? Mm. We have that relationship. We talk to each other reckless, if you will, but that's how we grow. You know, that's, yes. that's how we grow. That's how we fix our problems. That's how we grow as a family, grow as a people, grow as a, as a Christian group. Um, you know, I'm considered an elder in my church. I'm not giving it up because the girlfriend doesn't like, you know, the fact that I am one of those. I'm not going to mm -hmm. come like there's things that I'm not going to compromise for the sake of popularity, for the sake of, you know, um, popularity. Uh, popularity, um, money, uh, mm. anything monetary, like th there's certain things I'm not going to compromise. And yeah. I think politicians, you know, that that is the one thing I can say about Donald Trump. Um, he did some compromising, but on the things he was strong about, it was either you're going to get with the program or I'm going to sign an executive order. That's you right. Know, yeah. Which, yeah. which you knew what you were getting when you, when you dealt with Donald Trump. Yep. Um, yep. And I can't say the same for the current president. Um, I don't want, I don't want to bash the guy in, in any way. And that's not what this podcast is for, but I'd rather have somebody that if you're going to stab me in the back, you're going to do it while looking at me. Mm. Mm. Okay. That's right. Now that sounds very uh, hard to do. Like how can you stab somebody in the back while looking at it? But you, you get what I'm saying. I get what you're saying. If you're going to yeah. stab me, yeah, look me in the eyes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so and I feel like as, as Christians in general, we should not compromise our values, especially our moral values. Yes. Like, yes. you know, as a cop, we have something called integrity and every person has integrity. 
But the minute our integrity is tainted, we're done as a cop. Mm. You know, so that's how important it is to hold fast to your values and not compromise those things. You right. Know? So and I guess, and that, that note on integrity real quick, someone experienced, I think it was my father actually explained this to me in a way that just really made it kind of strike home. And it was that integrity is a word we use many times in, in construction. We say is what's the integrity of that steel? Or we say, this building's closed down because the integrity of it is in question. And what does that mean? It means that when that steel's integrity is being tested, when that building's integrity is in question, it means that if we hit on one place, it might be hard. But if we hit on another place, it might be rusted. It might punch through. If we step on one floorboard, it might be stable. But we step on the other one, we might fall down three stories through, through the rotted floors because the integrity, it's not consistent. It's not solid. It's not um, honest. It's not, it's not what it looks like. And so when it comes to compromise, that's your integrity. When, when I hit you here, when I hit you where you said you care about being pro-life, when I hit you here, where you said you care about the biblical view of marriage, when I hit you there, are you going to change depending on who's in the room or do you have good integrity? Uh, that's the way I think about it. That, that is awesome. That's a soundbite. I like that. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. You know, um, I could honestly say there are some things my family know that uh, I'm honest about and won't change. So uh, yep. That, yep. that's a. I'm gonna start looking at it that way. Nice. Now, all right, Luke. Uh, are elected officials at a lower level, um, and and this is not. I'm I'm gonna focus on a local level here. Are yeah. elected officials in a better position to influence public morals? than a higher level education official. Oh yeah. Yeah, I do think so. So so basically like local politics versus federal politics. Is that yes. kind of the idea? Yes. Yeah, I think so. And and frankly, uh local politics, whether uh, I'd say local to me, I'd define as anything state down. So state house, state senate, uh county commissioner, you, you know, uh, uh school board, those types of things, mayors, those are what I think of when I think local. And from a practical standpoint, they are the people who influence your daily life a lot more than Trump or Biden, a lot more than your, your federal reps, a lot more than the Supreme Court judges. They might influence your life here or there in big ways, but every day, your kids at school, your local parks, your local roadways, your local tax rates and things like that, those depend on your local reps. And then from a relational standpoint, that's kind of the practical standpoint, but from a relational standpoint, um, local reps aren't as sexy as the federal reps. We we love we love the the kind of the the intrigue of Trump versus Biden and 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 these you know big name you know AOC and Matt Gates and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, that's that they matter. Um, but but I think we need to be able to relationally say. But wait a second. When I need something changed in my day to day, I can literally drive down to my state house rep and talk to him in person. Or I can call him and email him and get a message back from him or her, uh, probably within the week. You can't do that with a federal rep. You can't do that with a Supreme Court nominee or with Donald Trump, uh, no matter how much you love or hate the people who they are. So, so yes, I'd say uh, from all angles, yeah, yeah, they're more, more influential. I, I almost said more important. I, I don't think they're more important. I think that's a hard thing to judge. More influential on your day-to-day -day life. Yeah. Uh, okay, perfect. <clears throat> um. And the reason why we're going to segue briefly, 
the reason why I'm bringing up education is we talked about it in our last episode a couple months ago. And I told you my complete disgust for CRT. Mm. All right. And any black person that would hear me say that would call me a sellout, call me an uncle Tom mm. or what have you, but CRT in my personal opinion, does not have a place in society. All right. Um, and especially if you are a black person that say you believe in God, he is your Lord, you know, Lord and savior. He came and died for your sins. He did all these things. If you are one of those black people that believe exactly what I just said, and you say you have a strong faith, hear me out when I say CRT has no place in our society. If you read your Bible and you read it closely, CRT doesn't exist. Mm. But then you'll yeah. say, well, we dealt with slavery. We dealt with this, blah, 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 blah. Yes, we did. And so did every other society. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you know, American, Black Americans, you know, we struggle with this, we struggle with that. Okay, what do we struggle with? I can agree we have some economical challenges based on slavery, yes, and mm-hmm. a couple other things. But can I sit here and say white people are born racist? Mm-hmm. No, but what I can say is white people were born sinners and so are you. Amen. You know? Amen. So what I'm getting at is the Bible, if, if you preach the gospel and you read your Bible and you continue getting preaching and those two line up, you're going to see that the Bible will take care of the sin in that white person's life that thinks black people are not worth a penny. Yeah. yeah. Or if a black person thinks that, you know, because of slavery, white person is not worth three cents or whatever. The mm-hmm. Bible will take care of that. And if you are honest, like we talked about earlier, if your integrity is honest, you will understand that your sin is weighing at your heart and you're going to want to repent of those sins. I don't need a theory. Notice I'm saying theory to tell me that I'm not woke. Okay. I don't need a theory to tell me that, you know, Luke, you as a, I can't really call you white because you look Indian, but as a, yeah. <laughs> as a mutt, you know, <laughs> yeah, that, that, there you go. I, I can't tell you, you should feel bad and you need to know that what you did to my people, you need to, you need to be aware of that. It's not my place. Mm. The church is supposed to do that. Okay. But I'm not walking around calling every white person racist. Right. All right. And the church is supposed to address the social issues. And I believe if the federal government would take their nose out of it, the church would rise up and start doing that again. Okay. Because the Jews, they didn't have CRT every three years. They, they did an extra 3% of uh, taxes, if you will, um, like extra food, extra money that took care of the homeless and the, and the less fortunate. Yeah. I think America needs to adopt that model. Yeah, we can only adopt that model if the government would let the churches do what they did when this country was first founded. So, you know, when it comes to education, I am all about teaching history and all of the history. Okay, the good, the bad, the ugly. Teach Absolutely. it all. Yes. Teach it all. Okay, but do not make a kid feel. <laughs> eh, you should feel this way. That that's that's yes. not our place. That's why yeah. I asked that question about politicians on the local level when it comes to education. Um, it, it's 
it's your place because you were elected to do your job, but do your job. Don't <laughs> fall into the, oh, we got to be politically correct. I don't need you to be politically correct. I need you to be the person elected to handle the education. I want my child to go to a school that has the best education. Yeah. Good, bad, yeah. and ugly. No, so, I completely agree, man. Yeah. Now, I mean, we could even talk about some certain stories where I've seen it all over Facebook. You know, parents are going to these meetings, both black and white and Hispanic, mm-hmm. and they're going against critical race theory. Yeah. But my question to them is, why are they going against critical race theory? Is it because it's the popular thing to do mm-hmm. or is it literally their conviction? Right. And right. for some of them, they got up and openly said, you know, the God that I serve, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. okay well clickbait maybe i don't know but it's it's spot on when they say it yeah all right yeah of- i have a lot of respect for people who do that man because it, it's yeah. a hard thing to do depending on where you live it, it might be extremely difficult <laughs> especially if you live in a, a more liberal area but yep enough of that so um here's the the, the tougher question and i expect an answer luke okay <laughs> all right so how are we to live as Christians in a post-Christian world? Ooh. Post-Christian. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, sadly, I would largely agree with that. I, I think that um, Christianity, uh, at least in the West, I would say Christianity in the West is uh, largely stagnant where it is present. Not entirely, but largely stagnant and empty. You've got your kind of new progressive woke churches. And then you've got a lot of uh, other churches that are just dying, that, that literally where, where the average age of the church attendees is like 60 years old. And there's maybe, you know, a handful of young people there. So the church population is literally dying. So there's that side of it. Um, and then and then there is the side of, of discrimination where, where, frankly, Christians are discriminated against, including in the West. Um, and and look no further than I, I know this is somewhat of a laughable example. But um, on TV and in movies and in whether it's you know, South Park or Family Guy, everybody's happy to make fun of the Christian. Everybody's happy to make fun of in, in The Simpsons. There's that guy, you know, the stereotypical Christian uh, or to make fun of Jesus or, or, or you know, to depict him in, in ways that are that are not uh, honorable to to him or to Christianity. No one does that with with um, with Gandhi. No one does that with with um, with Muhammad. No, no one does that. people don't touch that with a 10 foot pole, but Christians are absolutely targeted. And it's kind of more open season from a, from a social discrimination perspective on Christians. So uh, your question was kind of, how do we live out a Christian life in that world? Man, uh, I I think it's actually pretty simple. It's, it, it doesn't mean it's easy, but it's simple. And that's you, you read your word, you talk to God, you build that relationship through prayer. You build the, the you know, the, the old you and I probably, it sounds like we spent a lot of time in the church, maybe grew up in it. You got your your uh, horizontal relationships and your vertical relationships, right? You build the horizontal between you and your brothers and sisters in Christ. You build the vertical between you and God um, and you stick to it. You hold your ground. And this is kind of very similar to what we were talking about for politicians, Um it's not just the politicians who need to be consistent. It's not just the politicians who need to stick to what they said they believe. Um, we, you being the general you out there, you need to stick to what you said you believe. You need to stick to who you are. That doesn't mean you can't grow and learn and, and, and right. things like that. But um, 
you need if you call yourself consistently a Christian, you need to live by what God says is uh, living in the pursuit of righteousness. Um, and if you're not doing that, or if you're twisting and bending and contorting the Bible and, and the character of God so that it fits your life or even worse, the lives of those around you, because what does that do? It makes it easier then for you to be accepted by those around you. So you, you say, well, you know, uh, God says this, but the world around me is saying the opposite of that. So maybe there's a way that I can mm, twist the scripture to, to fit my needs, or maybe I can just ignore it. If that's where you're at, you know, whoever you are out there, my friend, you're, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're, you're, you're in a bad way. And um, the way that you, the simple way that you live is, is you follow the precepts set forth by God, you stick by them. And when you're wrong and when you get it wrong and when you stumble and when you have questions, you confess it, you own it, you grow through it and you go to your brothers and sisters and, and you end up being a, a more full, more fulfilled person because of it. Very good answer. Um, I'll add this. We, uh, we have this thing where if we're building a relationship horizontal and we're building it, you know, a lateral, it's a cross. Okay. So, so picture that for a minute. All right. It's a cross. Now we're living in a post-Christian world and we have to deal with things that go against Christian beliefs every single day if it's border control patrol if it's uh you know the white cop shooting the black man in the back uh if it's you know black people are just treated unfair whatever whatever the case may be that cross is deteriorating mm. and i'm not i'm not talking about the cross jesus you know that i'm yeah. talking about that you know how yeah. we're supposed to live our lives it's deteriorating so when you look at a person like, you know, you or myself or other strong Christians and, you know, truthful pastors that hold their ground, we're going to get teased. Yeah. All right. But what does the Bible say? We do not fly uh, flight. <laughs> we do not fight flesh and blood. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So hold, holding our ground is going to be hard. Mm -hmm. uh, but here's the joy in that. It's hard, but there are other brothers and sisters that are fighting that battle with you yes yes and, well you just said you know we don't fight flesh and blood yes i did but i'm talking about you know luke when you were running for uh political office you were in my prayers every single day especially when i found out who you were and what you stood for and i prayed to god that you would not change course and you would stay the person you said you were mm. okay so for you have and like i said if you ever veer from that i'm coming to pennsylvania <laughs> and um, we're going to fight in the parking lot, but no, um, <laughs> but, you know, living as a Christian in a post world, a post-Christian world, it's not going to get easier. It's only going to get worse, but that's why we need strong men and women in the faith to constantly be in prayer for our leaders that put their faith out there for the world to know. Yes. But we yes. also we also need to be in prayer for the politicians that we don't like. Uh, you hit. I was just gonna say that. Absolutely for the ones who put their faith out there, and and absolutely for the ones who we just can't stand, because um, 
because at the end of the day, they're souls who, who matter. They're, they're, yeah. they're human souls. But you and, can't say that. You, you can't say that. Right. That's right. Politically correct. <laughs> and, and even if, and even if they never come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, even if that's never something that happens, then there should still be a little bit of care on us for them mm-hmm. because they influence our lives and because they are the powers that God has seen fit to allow to rule over us for this time. And so why not pray for them? Why not pray that maybe they have wisdom and maybe they have some humility and maybe they have success in anything that they do that is right before God. But like, those are good things to want, you know? Yeah. Look, all souls matter. All right. I think, I think I'm gonna make that a Uh, (laughs) t-shirt. That's good. All souls matter. And yeah, well, not everybody's going to be saved. We, that, the Bible's clear about that. Yep. But you are still ordered by God to put forth the effort. That's right. Matthew 28, 29 says, go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name, you know, the whole nine yards. Yep. How do we do that in a post-Christian world? Easy. You do what the Bible states. That is the word of God. He gave it to us in that great commission. We need to follow it. Mm-hmm. Once again. It's not going to be easy, but we have to put forth the effort. That yep. is when our faith kicks in and we go out on faith and we do what God calls us to do. Yeah. All right. Um, now I, I'm going to add a question. Okay. And, and I consider you a, a upcoming truthful politician. So how should politicians, Christian politicians live or govern? Let's use the word govern. How okay. should how should Christian politicians govern in a post-Christian world? Hmm. Um, I think that off the top of my head, I'm not sure a whole lot changes, even though I think we agree that the world largely is post-Christian. I think the way you govern is in a way that uh, that is legally permissible because that's the job you signed up for. And that represents your beliefs as a Christian. So if, if that means that you have to be the only one who votes against a bill that is, that is immoral, then you're that one that votes against the bill. Um, and if that means that you have to be the one who works a little harder to, uh, to get policy through that, that you think is, is right and is just, then, then you do that. Um, but the fact that the world is, is post-Christian, which I do think is a fact, I don't think that changes anything about the approach, whether it's a a politician or a businessman or or a police officer, which is that you're here as a steward um, on borrowed time. God has given you every every breath, every heartbeat that you have. Um, You have the ability right now to do something that for the rest of eternity you you won't be able to do. And that's to influence and, and help other human souls who are yet to come to a safe knowledge of Jesus Christ. Um, and we can't do that in heaven. Uh, you, you know, I, I mean, heaven's going to be great, but that's something that, that we have the time here to do. Um, so use it for that. And, and, and also, I guess, specifically for the political position, I think that um, something that, that I need to be consistent in and that other Christians in the post-Christian world need to be consistent in is number one, community. Keep that community alive. Amen. And number two, through that community, keep seeking wisdom and humility, wisdom and humility, because those are two things that the Bible talks a lot about. God loves blessing the humble, 
And wisdom is something that it, the Bible says it cries out in the streets. Just go claim it. You, you pray to God, you seek it, and you're going to find wisdom. And it's, it's worth more than, than gems. Um, so if you have those things, then you can weather whatever, even if it means that, that you become the outcast, that you become someone who is politically discriminated against. If that's, if that's what it is, so be it. And I hate to tell you, but if, if you think that that's so bad, hey, that sucks. But Christians through history have gone through a lot worse than being blacklisted for their political beliefs. So um, so that's kind of my take on it. And that I don't want to make light of it. I I mean, there's some hard times going on right now for a lot of people because they're standing by what they believe. And um, and my prayers are with them. But that is the right thing to do. So the Bible states that the foolishness of God is wiser than man. Hmm. Okay, that is a weighty verse. And the reason why it's weighty is we don't see God as foolish. Yeah. We see God as all knowing, uh, omnipresent, omnipotent. There's no foolishness when it comes to God. Mm. But it goes to show you when God does something foolish, it is still wiser Mm. than we can ever be. Okay. So you said a good point. We are on borrowed time. Yeah. You know, and as these, as a steward of this time, we have to be pushing the gospel and I'm not saying forcing it down people's throats. All right. You can have somebody ignore you, not want to talk to you. Like, let's be honest, Jehovah witnesses. (laughs) How does most people treat Jehovah witnesses? Close the door. (laughs) Okay. You know, we close the door. We don't want to talk to them. Uh, I, I talk to them. You know, I, I, take mm. that, I take that opportunity to share the gospel. Yeah. We're not going to get into that and how we, I feel about Jehovah Witnesses, but I preach the gospel to them mm. the best I know how. Okay. So when you get that politician that wants to pass a bill on abortion and you have the opportunity to talk to them, to tell them why you feel abortion is wrong, that is your opportunity to show the that politician the moral sense of life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, it's a clump of cells. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that God created and that God is molding into something. He is the potter, we are the clay. So if you want to call it a clump of cells, yes, it's a clump of cells that God is right. molding or going right. to mold. You know, so yeah, let's not reconcile death because this lady wants to end it because she made a mistake. Yes. Yes. She made a mistake, but God didn't. Mm. All right. mm. That's right. So, That's right. But now um, let's talk about reconciliation. All right. And we're going to talk about reconciliation from two points. We're going to talk about it from uh, a racial standpoint, and we're going to talk about it from a political standpoint. And we'll hit the racial side first. How does a, uh, well, everybody's a race baiter these days. I really can't. I really can't ask that question. But how? Do, how <laughs> I really can't. But I'm gonna try. How does one? Um, how does a politician reconcile race and equality? I guess. Oh, um, I guess so. <laughs> the the term equality is a hard one because I think everyone's ev- not everyone, but many people mean different things when they say it these days. To me, I'll give you my definition so you know what I'm talking about when I say equality. To me, um, equality is fair rules. Um, Equality does not mean equality of outcome. 
So when, when, you know, the giants play against the Patriots and there are good refs and the refs make sure that each team only gets their allotted number of men on the field. And they ensure that, you know, pass interference is called and they ensure that, you know, on down the, the line of rules, that's equality. They're equal. They're treated it with equality. However, as most Americans know, we hate football ties, right? We hate NFL ties. At the end of the game, someone's going to win and someone's going to come in second place. Um, that's okay. That's that. So there's not equality of outcome, but there were equal rules all along the way. And they, they all had to abide by the same budget cap. They all had the, the you know, the, the draft season. They could get their free agents. Equality throughout. But at the end of the day, one team was better than the other one and one team found success. That's what I mean when I'm talking about equality. Some people might disagree with me. That's a separate conversation we can have. That's what I mean. So how do we pursue that? Um, I think that we need to own our past. So something that I like to kind of just remind people of that kind of catches some leftists off guard because they don't think that the right even knows this is, look, segregation in the 1960s was not that long ago. We have, we have people alive today who grew up in that. That's what, that was their reality. So the left kind of thinks that the right just forgets that or doesn't acknowledge that. And to an extent, I think it could be uh, recognized more on the right. Um, we need to own that past. Uh, we need to own that that happened. We need to own that those people are still alive and that yes, of course their lives are still affected today because they spent years living in that reality. So acknowledge the past, own the past, but then also, and this is the part the left does not like, acknowledge and own the present. Okay, who are we today? Yeah. Who are, what are our rules right now? Who is discriminated against today? If you can point me in their direction and show me the discrimination, I'll fight it with you. But don't tell me that just because stuff happened in the past, now we are free of responsibility and acknowledging the present. We also need to live in the present. And uh, if you do those two things, I think most reasonable people can come to the table and, and find a way forward. I could agree with that. I could definitely agree with that one. Uh, I can't point you to something that is, uh, that's discriminated against. Mm. Those poor cows and those chickens. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I was going to say, that's one. I, I said I'd fight it with you. Dude, I love my steak and my chicken. You can't do that. <laughs> uh, here, okay, a question for you. I, this is on can or maybe out of line for, for oh, guests to ask you the question. Chicken or beef? You've got to live without one of them. Um, which one are you keeping in your life? <laughs> <laughs> uh you know stereotypically chicken obviously um you're keeping the chicken. I, I would keep the chicken too i love steak but um i think chicken's more versatile yeah i think it's yeah you can I fry it you can bake steak, it you can smoke oh my goodness um, yeah yeah um yeah yeah get rid of those heifers no, i'm joking yeah i agree no i agree it, it would be a sad day but yep yeah yeah uh now how do you reconcile your christian life with your political life oh yeah yeah Okay, so this is one that is um, that some Christians would disagree with me on, and that's okay. I'm at peace with it. But um, some Christians um, are of the belief that that Christianity and politics can't and shouldn't mix, um, and that if they, right, and, and that if they do mix, 
that you need to. So that's kind of on the more on the right, like very far right uh, of Christianity. You have the extremely uh, conservative Christians and not necessarily politically conservative. I mean, conservative in the way that the Amish are very conservative um, who say like Christians, um, Quakers, Amish. Right. We should stay out of politics. And then you have more liberal Christians who have a similar viewpoint, but from the more of the left of Christianity, who they say, okay, Christians in politics need to shut up about Jesus and not bring their Christianity into politics. So they can be in politics, but they need to keep it out of politics. I disagree with both of those. I think that if you look through, uh, so we'll address the right, right? Those uber conservatives who say they don't mix at all. Um, If you look throughout the Old and New Testament, in both cases, you will find military and political leaders who were Christians and never once were they told not to be, not to coexist. Um, So I believe uh, Zacchaeus, uh, the tax collector, uh, the Roman centurion was, uh, the Romans were a political and military faction in in the New Testament, or two off the top of my head. And then the Old Testament is full of them. I mean, the the kings and and, uh, judges of Israel all political positions, all appointed by God, literally. And then you have some non-Jewish leaders who also in the Old Testament um, are there. And again, we, we never see them told that they can't, they can't coexist. Um, so that's my simple answer there. And then on, on the left side, we kind of already addressed where I don't believe separation of, of church and state does not mean that you abandon your beliefs. Um, as a matter of fact, if you go into our founding documents, it's quite the contrary. It's that we own that we believe, right, these truths to be self-evident, that they're bestowed upon us by nature and nature's God. Well, that's like, that's the core of Christianity or, or of Americanism um, is recognizing that, yeah, these beliefs come from somewhere, but we're not going to force you to practice any of them. We're, we're, we're going to allow you to practice your religion as you see fit. So those are kind of the two sides. And that's how, how where I land in, in the middle of them, where I say it is allowed. And you are allowed to bring religion into politics. I'll say this too. If religion and politics shouldn't be together, we'd be deaf. Hmm. Think about that for a second. If we were not supposed to preach the gospel, we would be deaf. And I think there are some deaf people hmm. out there. Now I'm playing hmm. with words here because um, I don't want to I don't want to use the word woke. Um, <laughs> since that's taken out of context these days. But uh, when, when people purposely remove themselves from something that God gave us, mm. what is, what, what is the, what, think about that Jewish Pharisee that tried his best to trip up Jesus, but instead the Pharisee went tumbling. Mm. Well, what do we do when Caesar asks for this and yeah. raises my taxes? What does Jesus do? He holds up a coin. He says, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. Yeah. Okay. So think about it. If God put kings and queens in power or presidents and senators and representatives in power, what what, what are we saying? Oh, politics shouldn't exist. He's the one that gave it to us. Right. 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 Why? Because God is a God of order. He doesn't like chaos. Now our government's chaotic right now. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. I'm pretty sure he's not pleased with that. But he <laughs> he gave us the I want to say power. He gave us the 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 what's another word for power? Um, uh, it's like ability, the influence, the the. Uh, he gave us the ability to govern. Yes. Yes. Okay. So 
the issue is as politicians or as yeah as politicians i'm not a politician but but politicians they'd rather reconcile what their god-given duties are for the world mm. and you and i both know those are like oil and water mm. okay the world is water it, it, it'll seep through anything and it has no substance yeah oil is obviously thick and you know we need it and it's something that holds its consistency a little bit more now i'm not saying water is not consistent it's just weaker mm. when you're talking about oil and water so you want to reconcile your beliefs so you can appease the world ah uh, yeah you know yeah yep. now um let's talk about some uh political issues and then we're going to call it quits um, all right and yeah we, we're going to look at it from the christian and political perspective because that's okay. that's what the ear is we want people to hear yep. it from both parties okay so <laughs> and and we'll go home because we don't want to hear the fat lady sing um, <laughs> now we i touched up on it earlier uh, you know we got the written house case going on right now that's right and yeah uh just uh just quickly do you think Rittenhouse should be acquitted I do I do okay. yes all right good because I do too now um we can sit here and argue should he have been there I'm gonna say no he sure. shouldn't have been there yep. that's you right know, he shouldn't right. have had the gun or, or better yet if he was there I understand why he was there he he went there for a good cause I, I truly believe that yeah um but I don't think he you know like somebody said um uh, you know, he had, I think it was, I don't know if it was Joy Bear or, or somebody, yeah. somebody said something Whoopi about or you know, Joy or yeah, yeah. One of the, the view squawking birds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he went there with his high power uh, assault rifle. Wasn't <laughs> no, ugh, aggravating. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know, they make this comment that he, he went there looking for trouble. It was Joy Bear. Yeah. He didn't go there looking for trouble. Yeah, he might have had the gun on because it looked cool, but he didn't go there looking for trouble. Okay, just like when I put on this badge every yeah. morning and I put on this gun every morning, I don't go looking for trouble. Okay, I don't wake up every morning and say, I want to kill me somebody today. That's that's. That's not what we do. That's not in our mindset. That's not how we govern in a sense. We don't wake up wanting to kill somebody. I yes. think life is precious. I get so frustrated. Okay. Um, all right. L let me get to the point. <laughs> so when you hear, uh, I know you hear this a lot, when Black people say they have to have that talk with their kids about police. Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. And, and you're wondering, okay, what is that mm -hmm. talk? And the talk is usually when a cop pulls you over, keep your hands at, you know, nine and three o'clock to where they can see it. You have yep. your information ready and you tell them that you're reaching for that information. Yeah, that's good stuff. But that's mm -hmm. not just for black people. That's for all people. Okay? Agreed. Agreed. I probably can't yeah. say that uh, politically. <laughs> but anyway, my question I'm, is, that, like you said, I'm, maybe I'm a bad example because I'm a mutt. But I got that talk too. I think it's a great talk. I, I think it, it's important. You know, my dad always said, you know, you, you call him sir, even if he's a jerk. And, and if he's a terrible, terrible cop, guess what? You handle it in the courtroom, not on the street side. 
That's the way you walk away, hopefully without a ticket, if you're super respectful. But even if you get a ticket and it's unjust, handle it in the courtroom. It's not the place to handle it on the side of the road. So absolutely. No, 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 you're good. Good point. So the talk, you know, you you give these black kids the talk. Mm -hmm. But then when they get put over by a cop, they're doing the exact opposite of what you taught them. What the talk says. So (laughs) did you teach them that? Mm. or did you teach more of the negative of what happens to black uh, people when they great you know, point it's a great point did you really prop up that talk of safety and respect or did you more so prop up the opinion of um racism discrimination hate and rebellion which side did you really go with here yeah that's a good good point man yeah yeah the, the next point is um are, are you christian with that yeah. Okay. Because if you're if you are truly having the conversation of do these things when you get put over by a cop, you are literally teaching. And, and I find this very fascinating that people don't think about this. When you say you had the talk, you are teaching your child to respect and obey authority. Who else is authority? God. God. Okay. Yeah. But if you're pushing the whole racial thing you're not teaching that. And, and the reason why I'm on this topic is because obviously I care about black people. I'm black myself. Okay. Yes, um, yes. And I, I love it when black people succeed and they have businesses. Yeah. And they, I love all that. Um, yeah. But I want to see less of black kids getting attitudes with cops, deliberately disobeying their orders when they give it to them. And in a sense, causing themselves to be shot. Yes. All right. Yes. Am I saying every single sh- cop shooting is justified? <clears throat> Hell no. No, of course not. Yeah. You know, there are there are quite a few that I can point out that are unjustifiable. Well, we've got one that, to my knowledge, it's been a while right now is being heard. The Ahmaud Arbery case. Yeah. Um, to my that's, knowledge. But that's not cops, though. Right. And that's not cops. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but it kind of falls into a similar bucket, uh, at least in media reporting of um, discrimination against minorities. Um, and so as far as I know that's one that is pretty clear should not have happened. Um, and, and since you're in law enforcement, you might be more familiar with it, but, uh, but yeah, we can call those out as we see them, but the blanket statements are very dangerous, I think. And even the lies, which the lies come from the media, the yeah. media have blood on their hands, man. I mean, you and I both know, cause they've lied to people about shooting rates. They've lied to people about, about rates of discrimination and, and how frequent it happens with this people group or that people group. And when they do that, they are spreading the hate and the violence yeah. um, and it's on their heads. Now, here's my question for you, Luke. Or yeah, here's my question. I'm trying to debate if I should ask the question and make my point. Um, why do we divide people up by race? Uh, I mean, yeah, there's only one race. That's the human race. Right. But why do we divide people by color? Mm. Well, I think this is actually a pretty easy answer, at least from the political side, from the political, and then I'll say political slash marketing, media, even entertainment side, uh, because it's all the same thing, power, uh, power and money. So when, when we say, here's a box, black box, Hispanic box, white box, straight box, gay box, men box, women box, and we put them all in there. And we say, okay, Luke, you're no longer Luke Negron. You're the mutt 
Luke Negron, who, who and people hate mutts. Okay, Brandon, you're no longer Brandon. You are the black man. Not Brandon, you're not at all. You, 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 you have no name. You're just part of your box. Okay, you're no longer this guy. You are white man in this box. Um, then we lose our personal identity. We lose our personal responsibility. We lose our personal creativity because we look around in our boxes that we've been socially and politically placed in and we say, everyone in here is like me. And that means that all their struggles must be the same as my struggles. And that means that all of those other boxes are not like me. It doesn't matter if they grew up next to me. It doesn't matter if they have the same income as me. They're, they don't look like me. So they're in competition and they're a threat and they're an other. They're other than me. And when the media and politicians do that, they can control you better. They can influence you more. They can make more money by race baiting you. Um, and they can discriminate against you more. Um, and I think that's what we ha what we see happening. And I hate that stuff. All right. I want to read something to you. Oh, yeah. OK. All right. After this, I looked and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. Sounds like revelation to me. It is. <laughs> One of my favorite verses to fight social, well, the lack of yes. social correctness, if you will. It's Revelation 7, 9. Mm. Okay. My point is, and, and it's also a question. If when we read Revelation 7, 9, and that's the dream, Mm. correction vision that we're going to get yes when we yes. arise to worlds unknown and mm. we're all going to be standing in one big group looking like a delicious louisiana um, gumbo <laughs> why do we why do we have boxes to check off mm. okay if i'm applying for college which i'm currently in college why do i have to put i'm black or african-american yeah the only thing that I, I could see me checking off is if I'm male or female. Yeah. Why does my ethnic group matter? Mm -hmm. Now, I, I understand why it matters in an academic standpoint, because they want to track, you know, statistics of how many African-Americans get it. But that's once you're there. It should be right. once you're there, they want to track it. It shouldn't be that we have to let in five white guys, five black guys and five Hispanic guys. Right. It should be. What are your test scores? What have you volunteered with? And where are your letters of recommendation? Done, right? Yeah. Like, actually, if it's okay, shameless plug here. I don't even think I've talked to you about this. So this is a cool thing that happened. Um, I have a scholarship that I just launched called the Anti-Academic Racism Scholarship. I'm glad you brought and, it up. Um, and so I am, I am against academic racism and um, in all forms. So if someone gets into a college because they're white, I'm against it. If someone doesn't get into a college because they're white. I'm against it. Um, any form of racial discrimination, I think, is wrong. Um, and so we actually have seen several Ivy League schools being sued by specifically the Asian ethnic groups in the United States because these Ivy Leagues have tiered scores um, that are permitted for Asian students because Asians typically outtest everybody else. Um, and then they have, uh, you know, black, white, Hispanic, 
all of those are weighted basically yeah. in their favor against the Asian students. Why? Because the Asian students had better merit because they tested better because they worked harder. They're discriminated against. So what the, the scholarship does is exactly what you said. We don't ask for, um, we don't ask for your uh, gender. We don't ask for your ethnicity and we don't even ask for your name because there have been some studies that at least claim that um, minority sounding names can be discriminated against or that female sounding names can be discriminated against. Um, so, so Tom Smith is prioritized above Jamal, right? Um, that, that's the claim. Um, so we don't even ask for names, we assign numbers. And then, uh, and it's a blind assessment and, uh, and we want to encourage the meritocracy, the merit-based advancement. So I love that you mentioned that, man. And if anyone wants to donate to that scholarship or apply for it, you can go to joinamasa.com, J-O-I-N-A-M-A-S-A.com. And it's the Anti-Academic Racism Scholarship. It's all there under Amasa Action, joinamasa.com. Okay, I, I like that. Uh, nice. But what I'm getting at is, and, and, and the EPC, the Evangelical Presbyterian Church is working on this. You know, yeah. we're, we're trying to make our church look like heaven on earth. Okay. So the concept behind Revelation 7, 9 is if we're going to look like this gumbo described in the Bible, right. all of us, every tongue, throughout, you know, and we're just imagine going to, a, a, <laughs> forgive me for doing this, but we're going to call it a mosh pit. Okay. In, in heaven where we have different languages going off, you know, and different people, different tribes, colors, whatever, ethnic groups, ethnos, and we're all screaming out, holy, holy, holy. And, mm. and that's going to be beautiful. Yes. All right. So if I can get a picture of how heaven's going to look, I want to implement that on earth. Mm. I want to start moving the church to that vision of how we're supposed to operate as a people, as a Christian people, a political people, um, uh, ethnically, ethnically, ethnically diverse people. Yes. That's how we should look. There should not be, oh, Brandon, you're black. Well, you got a white person's name, man. That's kind of, that's, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. Oh, you talk white. You know, I talk like a human. I just, <laughs> I, I, I just have an education, you know, <laughs> and I can pronounce and enunciate my words pretty well. Yes. Um, yeah, but you're a conservative. You're not supposed to be one of those. Mm. says who mm. i'm not supposed to be a sinner uh, either but i am mm. <laughs> I, I, I mean what more you want me to do you know yeah. my, my whole point is we should be a people seeking to help other people mm. no matter how they look now i yeah. did i did watch your your video on amasa and, and right. you know you said something about um judging people by their character yeah which is the same principle that dr king built his whole movement on that's right okay i'm a podcast host people might think that i'm white that is one of the reasons i post my picture on the artwork for every single episode yeah you know i was told black people don't podcast hmm. interesting never yes. heard that yeah, I was told black people don't podcast. Well, that's mm. a white man's thing. Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, I started doing some research and it's pretty equal. Uh, you know, it, it's 
not the all the content's not the best, but there are people that's, black that's people true across the board, yeah, out there that have podcasts. Mm-hmm. Okay. All of that aside, you know, we're Christian. We're supposed to be in the education field. We're supposed to be active in the political realm. We're supposed to be uh, actively seeking social justice. We're supposed yeah. to uh, actively be seeking justice, but we do it in a way that is morally right and biblically right. Yes. Not worldly whack, because I'm not even going <laughs> to call it right. Worldly That's whack. Right. That's right. All right. Um, yeah. So let's let's not reconcile our morals. Let's not compromise our values. Let's not uh, put our principles that are supposed to be Christian based aside because we want to please earn extra money and make sure we're politically correct. That's not our jobs. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be firm in our faith, firm in our beliefs, firm in our values, and they don't change. Here's the only downfall. We are humans. We're sinners. Mm-hmm. We're going to waver in those things. Yes. We're, we're going to yes. falter in that. But guess what? We serve a God that is never changing. He's the same today, tomorrow, and forevermore. Plain and simple. I don't know yeah. how else to say it. Um, I don't know Spanish. So I can't say it in Spanish. I'm going to try. <laughs> but Luke, is there anything else you want to ask me or you know, you want to bring up that we could talk about real quick? No, man, this was awesome. I think I think those were awesome questions. I think we we got to hit some stuff uh, pretty in depth. And I'm glad that we were able to talk. I'm, I'm always thankful to connect with you. Awesome. Awesome. And look, guys, uh, our last little dialogue on the political stuff, don't take away from what we Luke and I talked about earlier. You know, we're, we're just making points here of how the Christians should respond, you know, in political madness, you know, mm-hmm. This is not going anywhere, and the Bible's clear that it's going to get worse before it gets better, you know. But I want each of you guys to to start taking Revelation seven nine and making that the thinking point of how you respond to things. Okay. Yeah. Um, every tongue from every nation. Yeah. If something happens, let's address it the right way. Let's not take to the streets and riot and burn stuff down because we're upset. Take it to God in prayer. Start there. Mm. Always start with God. Because I promise you, justice will be served and things will happen and fall into place when they need to. Mm. Not on your time, but on his time. That's right. That's okay. right. So, Luke, this is a this is probably better than the first episode we had. <laughs> this has been great, man. Yeah. 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 That one was good, too. And I think, yeah, I think you're probably right. This one is even better. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So to my listeners, um, that is all I have. I'm going to urge you to look to Jesus whenever you are, you know, thinking about things or you're dealing with something. Look to him first. Do not compromise. Rest in him. We do not fight flesh and blood, but we are rooted in our faith and we're rooted in Christ. So keep that in mind. You can uh, Luke. let us know how we can find you before we sign off. Yeah, you can find me on Instagram where most everything else is linked uh, at Real Luke Negron, R E A L L U K E N E G R O N, or at lukenegron.com, L U K E N E G R O N.com. Awesome. Well, that is all I have. Y'all keep your faith in God, 
And this is the sign off.